Hello and welcome to the latest edition of the Posh Report podcast. Looking back at Posh's 1-0 away win yesterday at Ipswich Town. Um, I'm delighted to be joined by Ipswich fan Luke Penning. How are you, Luke? Oh, yeah, I'm good. How are you doing, James? Yeah, very well, thank you. Um, yeah, I'm not sure if recovered from the game's the right word or, you know... Um, it wasn't. It wasn't the best of watches. Let's put it that way. But but nice uh, to come away from the three with three points and would have would have wouldn't have been a nice feeling. And I'm sure it was a nice feeling to to watch the game and and not get anything from it. Having sat through that for almost two hours. Um, but yeah, Luke Luke's quite prominent on Twitter. Does a lot of tweets about Ipswich. Uh, has has some nice YouTube videos looking at looking at Ipswich recruitment. And I think we're gonna have a really good chat today. Um, and I'll get Luke to talk a little about what he does at the end. If you want to go follow him and see what he does. Um, but the first thing I'm going to ask you, Luke, is just to get a bit of background on Ipswich Town. So how they were looking coming into this game, how the season's going, how, how the situation with it is with the fans. If you just want to give us a, a bit of insight into how, how Ipswich are looking this year. Yeah, uh, yeah. Kind of, I would say this year, uh, it's kind of, uh, I'd say it's very similar to last year. I think, you know, the thing last year was when we started relatively well, I think we were top two in the league and, you know, within like a 15 games on the bounce with, you know, record, I think 11 clean sheets and then games. And it started really well up until late December, January period um, last season where we played Lincoln, we lost 5-3. And from then onwards, we just ended up going down and we're on basically relegation from, from then onwards. And obviously with, what, with COVID and what happened in the league being um, like a PPG and that kind of thing, it, you know, kind of left us fans on a knife edge where we kind of thought where if the season was to continue, Paul Lambert and the form that we were having, the, the form would have stayed the same. You know, we had injuries around the time. We weren't picking up wins and that kind of thing. And it wasn't looking good. This season, I think, you know, because of COVID and everything, it kind of puts a new, gives Lambert some time, I guess, you know, whether they probably wouldn't have had if the season had continued last season. So we started this season relatively well. Um, even then, in the games that we were playing, we were more or less relying on individual um, goodness. People like Guion Edwards and Teddy Bishop, who were generally getting the goals in a good run that we had at the beginning of this season. Um, and I just think over over that period of time, we got found out, really. Um, the owner, Marcus Evans, power a little statement in our local media about how he wanted us to play this fast possession football um, and we're speaking about how he's been seeing these kind of green shoots in the formation and how we've been playing. And uh, it just hasn't ended up being that way. And I think, you know, for a long time now, for the last three months, um, yeah, we've got 19 points from our last 15 games. We've had unconvincing wins with teams like Crewe, Shrewsbury, Plymouth, which actually had 10 men end up getting a win in the last minute. Um, and Burton as well, we played them, well, I think it was the last game we played when they had COVID tests, uh, positive cases a couple of games but postponed I think we were meant to play Peterborough a couple of weeks prior to Christmas um, uh, so yeah we played Book Burton twice we played them beforehand and that was an unconvincing win and we just played them just before this game 1-1-0 um, to be honest yeah it's, it's, not, it's not looking good really you know Paul Lambert's only gone into games 30, he's failed to score in 33% of the games that he's had in, t- in charge of the club our actual Results in terms of teams that are above us, you know, your Sunderlands and teams like that, or teams in the top ten. Really, um, we've played we've played eight, one, one, and lost seven. And if you compare last season's results, so to us playing teams that were in the top half of the league, and obviously comparing it with this season as well, we've played twenty six, one, three, drawn eight, and lost fifteen. So, you know, I think a lot of fans want us to. We'd like to see the club get promoted. Unfortunately. For my time following uh, the town, anyway, I've not really experienced much success of you know the history and sort of things like that. So yeah, it doesn't look good in terms of winning and beating the teams above us. And I think as a club that is striving or what at least wants to get promoted, um, it's not you're not going to get up there if you don't beat the teams around you. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, what is the sort of perspective from Ipswich fans? So looking from the outside in, looking at like the players that Ipswich have available. Looks looks like a, a decent a decent group of players. Like I know you're missing Norwood and Jackson up top yesterday, but you know, good league one strikers, maybe not getting the best out of them. Um you, you mentioned Bishop and Edwards. Edwards, posh fans know well from his time at Peterborough. 
Um, was always a very good winger at Posh and, and still is a very good league winger. Could probably pay higher. Bishop, you say, I've always been impressed with him whenever I, I've seen him. Dangerous, busy, mo good movement, bit of pace. And then even like the midfielders, like Dazelle, I've always been impressed with. Thought he had an excellent game yesterday, breaking at play. Flynn Downs burst onto the scene, had a really promising start. My perception is kind of that Lambert and it has structural issues within within the team in terms of the way he's looking to play. And he's and that's leading to an underperformance of players. Is that the sort of your view and Ipswich fans' view, or or is there a bit more blame on the players rather than the manager? Uh, yeah, I, think I can't. I actually kind of think you've hit the nail on the head there. I think you know Lambert came in the day that he came in uh, when it's just before we got relegated in the championship when he came in, and when he came in, he always was set on his stones of playing a four-three-three formation. Um, last season in pre-season. When we got Norwood on a free from Tranmere, the form of him and Caden Jackson in pre-season uh, basically forced Lambert to play a 4-4-2 formation. And throughout that season, we saw the best of Norwood and Jackson, especially Norwood when he was fit anyway. Um, and they got you know, over you know, 11, 12 goals between them of each, I mean. Um, and then this season... They were set on their ways of having to play. You know, they wanted to have an identity, a style, a way of playing. So in pre-season, we were playing a four-three-three formation. Uh, last season, we had Norwood and people like that, that injured. So we started this season with people like Aaron Drinnen, who started up front yesterday. Um, and from then onwards, really, we've been playing this four-three-three style of football, where he wants us to kind of play this possession but fast type play, but. To be honest, we haven't really said it this season. You know, a lot of the stats, uh, D3, D4 podcast have been putting out, good, good podcast. Um, they've been putting out a bunch of stuff saying how, you know, the entrances into the opposition's box, we've not even been in there in terms of like the higher up teams in the division, in terms of how many times you've done it. Um, in terms of possession, generally, our, some of our possession stats are quite good, maybe when you look see him but in generally it's in in our actual half between our goalkeeper and our centre backs and too many times in our games with I think a lot of it is it's the pace about how we play you know the way that our owner and our manager sometimes talks about the game is if we've played really well like yesterday his pre-match or post-match press conference was all about us having a really really good game and playing really well when obviously I didn't feel we did um, I think a lot of it really comes from does come from the personnel the players that we actually have like at the moment we're playing Luke Chambers and Stephen Ward Stephen Ward obviously a pretty decent championship player for throughout his career but both of them are 35 and there's not really much you know they started well and um, Ward ended up getting injured and he came back and he hasn't hasn't been the same and I think with the way that we want to play our fullbacks are really integral and offering attack and width and with those kind of players at the fullback positions, it doesn't really give us much team watch manoeuvrability. We had Kane Vincent Young, who we got from Colchester uh, last season, came in really well, um, but got an Achilles injury and has been out for a year. I think he, he didn't. Uh, his last game playing for us was a three-one win against Southend in 2019, and since then he's had setbacks and those kind of things, which hasn't helped us in the fullback position because having someone like him who likes to drive driver defenders has this intact and intent from fullback we don't have it so we've been having to rely on Luke Chambers who commonly plays as a centre-half um, I mean along with that you've got people like Alan Judge who he came back from a long injury when we signed him obviously he got injured at Brentford uh, funnily enough by one of our players Luke Hyam used to play for us um, and since then you know he hasn't been this consistent you're looking at people like uh, Teddy Bishop, who you mentioned, his career, especially at town anyway, has come from a lot of injuries, a lot of setbacks. And it's about how can he play through a 45-game season? Um, as well as Dazelle has been this season, you know, I think for him, he's got a really good passing range in this division from what I've seen and what I like. I think he's, he's good at that. But I think there's some parts in his game, maybe defensively, uh, he tends to, uh, there was a goal, we, we played Swindon uh, a couple of weeks back and there was a perfect situation where Scott Twine had a shot from like 35 yards and there was no one closing him around and that's something with this that he doesn't tend to do in the last season. A lot of fans labelled him as probably lazy out of possession in terms of defending 
Um, when he has the ball in it and he can spray those passes, he's a really good asset. But in terms of out of possession defensively, uh, you know, you're relying too much in downs to do that. Um, uh, as I kind of saying, really, you know, the strikers, Norwood, when we bought him last, last season, he was playing well, got injured about two months before the season was uh, had PPG. Since then, he's had setback after setback, coming back, scoring a goal, getting injured, coming back, scoring a goal. Um, yeah, he, uh, he was up yesterday with a hamstring niggle. Uh, Caden Jackson as well. I think, in a way, it's some of the places, players not actually suiting the system. Jackson um, as and Norwood, that I mentioned, played played 4-4-2 last season and they tended to excel with each other because I feel like Caden Jackson in a one-up-front formation doesn't tend to deal with the physicality his pace is what works well for him and we've been trying him out on the wing um and there's so many chances where you know he his his main asset is when he's when he's already on the run getting getting speed among amongst the defenders and when he's been playing out wide he hasn't had the ability to do that and it's not his natural position so there's that happening about him not being natural up front on his own and then you've got Aaron Drinnen where um, we signed him when Mick McCarthy was in charge. He signed him from Waterford. Um, he's, he's had loan spells at Ice in Sweden, Waterford in Ireland, and most recently Air in the Scottish Championship. And he was a player that I'd liked when he'd come in through the under-23s and when we signed him. But there wasn't really much expectation or hope about him actually getting a game. I think half of it was Norwood and Jackson being injured in pre-season that actually give him the chance to try someone like him involved. Like, part of me feels, I've been talking to many uh, town fans that are kind of close with this, we didn't really expect him to give any chances if those injuries weren't there. So I feel even then yesterday, I feel it is a combination of having your midfield attacking players supporting your striker better. Um, and it, the last couple of games we have seen, been seeing our strikers become isolated. Yeah, no, and I think Drinan had a minimal impact on the game yesterday, didn't he? I find it interesting what you're saying about Dazelle and his out of possession, because if we start focusing on the game yesterday a little bit more, I actually thought he did a really good job of breaking the game up. Um, I don't think, I like my take on it, and not as someone who doesn't watch Ipswich every week, is just obviously Ipswich pressed really high, um, went man to man over a lot of the pitch, and, and almost like a 4 1 4 1 formation with in possession two, I guess you call them three eights, um, in um, Bishop and Downs and then Dazel sitting behind. And I thought Dazelle's positioning out of possession and I think he made like four or five tackles yesterday. I think he made the most tackles on the pitch. But just knowing where to position himself was vital because there were huge gaps between the defence and midfield at times, especially when, yeah. when Ipswich were pressing high. And and we saw Posh exploit those every now and then. Um but not that regularly, actually, especially in the first 30 minutes. Well, the first 30 minutes, the whole game was pretty much played in Posh's half, uh, with Ipswich pressing really, really high, um, doing a good job, playing with lots of energy. Posh, I th- it was interesting listening, because you can hear a lot more in the touchline, and Fergie kept yeah. saying forwards, 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 and he likes to play forwards. But I thought Posh played into Ipswich's hands, because they were committing five players high, ball side. And... On the far side, the opposite wing-back was in a lot of space because the the Ipswich uh, far side fullback didn't want to come too high too early. So I thought if Posh had switched to play a lot more, we'd have had a lot, a lot more joy playing out. But yes, for those for that first half an hour, Ipswich well on top. But the, the biggest thing, and you mentioned the entries into the box, all Ipswich do is cross. And it, and it must be absolutely infuriating as an Ipswich Town fan in terms of you know, you build it from the back, you get into a you get into a decent position, and then the ball gets launched, just launched from deep into the box. I, I got a stat here. So 43 positional attacks. So for people who don't know what positional attacks are, that's essentially being in a good position in control possession on the halfway line. Um the average in the league is about 28 to 30 per game. So 43 of them. So you're getting the ball onto the halfway line a lot, you get in possession in decent areas. From those 43 uh, positional attacks, you'd expect about 20% shot conversion, right? So you'd be looking from that, you'd be looking at Ipswich to have at least 10 shots as a as a low ball average. Ipswich had four shots out of that. So the the issue for me was very much a lack of creativity, a lack of variation in the play. 
and overreliance with crosses. And it's interesting what you say about the system not suiting the players. Because you have cross-heavy teams in League One that do well, like Portsmouth for a cross-heavy team. But they have strong centre-forwards. They have quick, skillful wingers who get in behind. They have overlapping pace at full-back getting behind. Posh are becoming a more cross-dominant team as well. But they have Johnson, Clark, Carris who can attack the ball. I'm not seeing anyone in that Ipswich side who can, A, get in behind, especially on the right-hand side with Judge, I think he's 32, and Chambers, 35. And then, B, when you get the ball in the box, you've not got anyone driving and attacking the ball. How did you see the game yesterday specifically as, a, as an Ipswich fan? Yeah, I kind of agree a lot of what you're saying. Um, Judge, for, for me anyway, and a lot of town fans will agree with me on this, is he has his best football as a as a number 10. I think yesterday we played more you know, more of a flat three and Bishop Downs and Dazelle, I think, to begin with. Bishop tended to play a little bit higher up as a 10, maybe. But having someone like Alan Judge playing on the wing, he's not going to beat your man. Um, and for far too long in a town shirt, his delivery hasn't been best. That is something that we're missing so much this season. Last season, we had in uh, Luke Garber on loan from Everton. And one of the reasons why a lot of town fans grew to him was because of his uh, dead ball situations, whether that be through scoring goals, through free kicks or whipping balls in from corners. I think I did read a stat, I have to double check it, but uh, I think it was uh, of the 114 corners or I think that we'd had this season, we'd only scored from one of them. I think that was Luke Chambers against Bristol Rovers early on, on in the season. So that is becoming a big issue. You know, having Andre Dazelle, because what they were saying on our Ipswich commentary yesterday was that we have Mark McGuinness on loan from Arsenal, who's a pretty tall defender, commanding defender, but rather than actually whipping it into an area for someone to attack, to head it in or at least shoot it in on goal, it's more about heading it towards McGuinness, who's more far post, who then nods it back to someone to attack it in. And there's been so many times in recent games where we're trying this tactic and it clearly isn't working. And I think, you know, you've got someone like Gwyn Edwards who you've mentioned and he is a very good direct runner and having someone like him um, is really, really good. And I'm pretty sure we'll get on to transfers and that or talk a little bit more about why we've brought in who we have and why that's going to change things. But yeah, I kind of agree with you really. I think, you know, having, as I mentioned before, having someone like, Luke Chambers and Ward, especially against a team like Peterborough with, you know, Carnu and Dembele on the wings, pretty good players in dribbling and attacking situations. You don't want to commit Chambers and Ward too, up the, too far up the pitch because we've seen in recent games, Burn when we played at home, Swindon when we played at home, where when they pushed too far up the pitch, having someone like Judge on the right-hand side who isn't known for, for tracking back and helping defenders, it does leave someone like Luke Chambers um, exposed, which which doesn't help in a way. Yeah, it's interesting what you said about corners because I noticed the corners and I noticed everything was going at the back post at McGuinness. Yeah. The issue you had there is that McGuinness was matched up with um, Beavers. And Beavers is Posh's most dominant aerial centre-back, especially from corners. So... Yeah, you've got one dominant defender for it for for Ipswich, but you've also got him paired against Posh's best defender in terms of defending corners, defending crosses. And I can only remember a handful of occasions when Beavers has actually been beaten in the air. One of the times uh, was last season against Harry Souter uh, from corners. This is and and Souter is you know McGuinness is commanding, yeah, but he's, he's no Souter. Um, and <laughs> the other time was against Rotherham, and I can't remember who the centre back was. But again, you're talking about a six foot six, six foot seven player who was comp- physically imposing and commanding and beating him in the air. And I think they must fit about four or five of their six corners towards McGuinness and Beavers. And I'm pretty sure Beavers won every single one. Um, so that was, yeah, that was a questionable tactic to say the least. And again, just a lack of variation in thinking and planning. We spoke about it in in terms of like the crossing. And there's a couple of occasions when the ball was out wide and there was no support. And I'll talk a little bit why I think there wasn't much support for it, which when they had the ball wide. But then there was a couple of times when Flat when, uh, when Flynn Downs was in just a nice little pocket space next to Chambers. And every time Chambers would whip it in, whip it in, whip it in, rather than playing into Downs in the half space, a few yards outside the box for him to then pick a pass or drive and shoot and just a little bit of 
give Posh a little bit of something different because it was very interesting that in the game, Posh very rarely actually tried to stop the cross. They predominantly just tried to defend the cross and back themselves to defend the cross with the three centre-backs. The good thing for Posh as well was when you're looking at what sides Ipswich attacked down, and this was another confusing area for me, um, so 49% of Ipswich's attacks came down the Posh right. And that kind of makes sense in terms um, in terms of trying to isolate and get around Beavers, who was playing left centre-back, because Beavers isn't particularly good at defending wide areas. The issue I thought you had was that you had Judge playing right wing. Then you had Chambers behind him, who wasn't going to overlap and get him behind. And then you had um, inside of him Downs, who wasn't going to run him behind. And on the opposite side, you had Edwards and Bishop, who will run him behind and who would have probably beaten Beavers consistently for pace. I don't think anyone drew, actually drew up the ball past Beavers until I remember Edwards picking the ball up early in the second half, around about the 48, 49th minute on, on Beavers' side and just driving past him to the byline and getting across in the box. And I was like, oh, they must have switched them and they're using this as a tactic. But it must have just been, you know, a bit of rotation or or he randomly popped up there. I can't remember the exact reason why, because then no one was out on that side after that. And then uh, that didn't change really until Thomas came on and probably came on far too late. I'm not sure if it's a fitness yeah. issue why he didn't start. I'd have started him personally, as you're saying, Judge isn't going to run him behind. And when and when he came on, he beat Beavers a couple of times and got behind a couple of times. And then all of a sudden, it started to look really, really dangerous. Um, the other thing I, I think was interesting was you said about um, not wanting to push too high, um, and not wanting to, um, and 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 not want to expose Chambers or, or the back or the back four, and I think we saw that. So as I said, for about half an hour, I thought Ipswich pressed really well, lots of energy. Posh were really poor on the ball, struggled to struggled to play out, tried to force it down the line and play ball side too much, and just playing in, playing into pressure. That fifteen minute spell before half time. I thought was probably Posh's best spell in the game. When when Ipswich started to tire and Posh then started to switch the ball and started to find the, the spare man, um, you saw you saw that the, the, there was probably one quality move in the entire game, and that was the move for the penalty, um, whereby Taylor dropped deep, lost his man, Brown then drops off, loses his man, Plays a very nice disguise, passed into Schmodix between the lines. One of the first times Posh got any of the front three in between the lines. First time pass. Taylor then runs off Bishop. So he dropped off him, ran off him. Really clever movement. And then plays the ball in behind to Dembele. And a few times in that first half, we saw Posh exploiting that exploiting that high line. But we just didn't see Posh do that anywhere near enough from our perspective. Um, and then I'm sure from an Ipswich perspective, a lot of that was due to the effective nature of the press early in the game. Um, yeah, I want to talk a little bit about Ipswich on the ball now, moving on from that a bit. So we spoke, uh, we've spoken a lot about Ipswich off the ball and doing a good job pressing. Um, possession was about 50-50 in the game, but actually a lot of the game was played in Posh's half. So um, 41% of the game was in the middle third, 37% in Posh's half, 21% in, in Ipswich's half. So you said earlier about Ipswich spending a lot of time on the ball in their own half. They actually managed to get the to get the ball out of their out of their half a lot more. But what they didn't do was create any chances. <laughs> so um XG, so I've got the XG numbers here. So Posh actually technically lost the XG battle 1.29 to 1.19 for those people who love XG. And then the penalty boosted that a lot for Posh as well. When you dig a little bit deeper into that though, up until the 78th minute, so just after the Serbs had come on, Ipswich only created 0.18 xG in the first 78 minutes. Um, so they had six shots with an average xG per shot of 0.03. Now, when we factor in the average xG per shot, it's about 0.11, 0.12. As I say, you created nothing, like literally nothing, really, in reality. Um, why, why do you think that is? Why do you think Ipswich are having so many issues you know, they have possession, but then getting the ball in the box and, and scoring a goal. Yeah, it, it, it is a strange one. I think that you know has been something that's been a it's been a common theme this season, really. I think, as I kind of touched on to begin with, 
having someone like early on in the season literally just getting the ball to Edwards who would then cut in on a defender and put a shot in the, in the corner it more relied on individual brilliance of you know certain players rather than actually building up to, to get to that point I think I don't know I think I'll talk a little bit about you know we mentioned the subs and that sort of thing yeah I think a lot of this transfer window in January for us Ipswich was to bring in creativity you know players that can make things happen you, you as you were saying you kind of saw that from someone like Luke Thomas when he came on off the bench for, for judge how how he can beat a man how he's direct and you know when he came on I think he put a ball forward to Edwards who had a shot the same with John Nolan when he came on having someone like that that can create chances and one of the players that we signed most recently well was was Josh Howard from Preston unfortunately he's missing the next couple of games due to a positive COVID test but we brought someone like him in to offer you know um, help in dead ball situations because he's pretty decent at whipping in corners and free kicks and helping out in the creative sense and I think for us is that it's getting into the final third I think you know it, it's alright building out from the back and you know playing out of the back and then getting it to your full backs but I saw so many chant times yesterday where as you were saying they're just whipping in crosses and I think sometimes it's more about them you know they see the ball sometimes maybe then they're just quick to get it into the box and they don't think about what they're doing in some cases because there were so many times yesterday when Chambers got up the flank and I'm saying pass it to give it to Judge or give it to Bishop because you know that they're the kind of players well Bishop anyway there's the kind of player that can drive at defenders and offers that bit of dynamism in the attack and third but it was more about whipping a ball in and you know as you were saying someone like Mark Beavers who's so dominant in the air or has been against someone like Dryden who himself hasn't played that many competitive games for us and is still finding his way in the league, really. It was never going to work because, you know, with how isolated he was and how, you know, Dryden is the kind of player that is, I would say he's more of a link-up striker, kind of similar to that of Ollie Hawkins, who we signed from Portsmouth. So he tends to work well, bringing others into play when they're close to each other. But when there's such a gap from the midfield areas to the attack, it makes it harder for him to, to... have an effect on the game with that bringing people like Bishop into the game and get them doing well or the wingers we didn't see that enough yesterday and I think that is a problem we've had you know as I mentioned before having someone like Kane Vincent Young when we signed him he's the kind of guy at right wing back or full back who can drive the team up the pitch and it creates those spaces and gives tends to give the players more confidence when we had him in the side when you don't have that and you have Ward who we've got and Chambers at at fullback, he wasn't isn't isn't his natural position. You you kind of expecting them to you know put these passes or do these kind of things when it isn't natural for them to do it. And I think yesterday we relied too much, I think, on people like Edwards when he had the ball and people like Bishop who can can run through the midfield and break lines, that sort of thing. We relied on them kind of players too much. So I think by being in the people like Luke Thomas and Josh Harrop when he can finally play will help us but even in that position you know you're talking about Harrop who we've brought into play as a number 10 you've got Judge and Bishop who are playing in that positions as well it's going to be interesting to see who they play obviously with Thomas I would have liked to have seen him start I think having a team of Thomas and um, and Edwards on the wings would have helped us an awful lot more um, in terms of attacking sense of having two players that complement each other that can drive at players I think you know we talk with Edwards he's naturally right footed on the left and um, Thomas uh, naturally left-footed on the right. So they're Lambert. One of the things that Lambert likes is inverted wingers. So they're one of the things that I felt were going to work right for us. So I think when the team was announced, it was a kind of a of a bit of a, a sign of surprise from Town fans because they kind of expected to see someone like Luke Thomas start. So when when he did see Judge start and on the right wing, we kind of expected what we were going to see, what, which unfolded. Yeah, absolutely. So. One thing I noticed in the game was, and so I, I didn't think Posh played well at all yesterday. Um, I thought they had two different spells in possession, which was that 30 to 45 minute spell where they had the penalty and each fresh tied, and then about 55 to 70 minute spell um, when Clark Harris did a really good job of, of coming deep and, and Lincoln played that way. Early in the game, Posh really struggled, one against the press, and then two, you spoke about how it was having the really tall centre backs. Posh just couldn't, I thought Clark had a good game, but he couldn't dominate either centre-back. Um, 
Nzial and, and McGuinness, two really big, strong guys. And when the ball was going in airily, um, they were dominating him in the air. I think um, Clark Harris only won five out of his 15 aerial duels. And even when he was winning them, it was, you know, a flick to nowhere as opposed to actually actually getting posh in the game. Um, so it was only when the Ipswich press was was tiring and, and when they and when they managed to find the players in between the lines and then get in behind and exploit the high line, I thought did okay. But then countering what Ipswich was doing in possession, out of possession, I'm not sure I fully understood Posh's plan either. But then I don't understand Ipswich's plan. So it was one of those strange games. So Posh out of possession tend to play like a 5-2-3 with the three players putting pressure up high. And Ipswich was playing that 4-1 4-1 with Dazelle dropping uh, very deep between the lines. And then Downs and Bishop seem to be both playing almost as dual tens in a, in a, in a four-man attack in midfield behind, behind Drinnen. And what that did was it meant it was so easy for Ipswich to build out into the fullbacks and to play round Posh's three-man press, which was a fairly non-existent press in all honesty. But once they'd done that, as you say, it was just crosses. So... From a Peterborough perspective, I'm wondering whether that was intentional, just defend the centre with your three players up high, got your two central midfielders also playing centrally, and then just and then just force him to cross. And as I said, barely stopped the cross all game. But what they did, what Posh did do superbly was defend the crosses. So um of the, I think it was 28 crosses that tame in total, Posh had 17 clearances inside their box. They had five blocks inside their box. And they won all three aerial duels inside the box. So it seemed to be a bit of a plan just to let Ipswich play wide. Now, one thing that Posh really struggle with, with that two-man central midfield, is one switches of play in the final third. And two, when teams play into those pockets of space in the half spaces where they don't really have anyone occupying those spaces. Luckily, Ipswich hardly ever did that. As we said, it was just cross after cross after cross coming in. Limited runners in behind limited variation or imagination in the box and, and posh just defend those crosses really well. Um I and you mentioned about um Edwards as well on the other side and I thought Ipswich didn't play down that side enough because with Bishop on that side, with Edwards on that side of the pitch, that was an area where Posh maybe could have got round uh, Ipswich could have got round Posh, especially with Posh playing Carnu at right wing back who quick guy I thought he was poor in possession yesterday, just head down, running straight down the line too much. And he struggled with the build-up play. He's not very good playing one or two touches. And when Posh were trying to play around the build-ups, part uh, play into the wing-backs and build out, part of their issue was that Carnu just wasn't good enough at getting that first touch and picking the right pass quickly. But what he did do quite well, um, and which he has rightly got a lot of credit for, is I thought he defended Edwards well in his duels and, and nullified him quite well. But then Ipswich were hardly ever playing onto that left side. So then they didn't really. And what they never did was, as you say, it was always just runners with that ball, carrying the ball up the pitch. Huge gaps between the what was essentially the back five and the front five. No one dropping into those spaces. If you can pass the ball around on that side, Carnu will get pulled out of possession. You can get him behind him easily. We saw that in the MK Dons away game. Um, we saw that in in. Uh, and at the weekend with Charlton as well, he, he will get caught out of position. He will follow the ball too much, um, but didn't do that at all. Ipswich's best spell, moving on to the end of the game, was after those was after the three, they made the three sets. So Noland, Sears and Thomas came on. Those last 20 minutes, did you think you were getting back into the game? Were you, were you happy with that? Or was that just frustrating that you're playing well at the end, but have played so poorly throughout the rest of the game? Yeah, I, I, I feel like with the subs, they came on the 75th minute, I think it was. I think they should have come on at least 10 minutes earlier, um, right before the goal happened. And we'll get on to that. Um, yeah, I feel like before that, we were we were crying out for, for someone like Thomas. You know, Nolan did well when he came on as well. And obviously, CSK on up front, which we haven't seen as town fans for a while. We normally get sticked out on the left. But um, yeah, I, I felt with them subs, with, with how the game was going, I felt like, in, in a way, I, I didn't feel like that we were going to trouble your defence, your your goal with with how we were playing. I wasn't I wasn't entirely confident that the goal was coming on our way. I was more of more concerned about uh you know with how how, how Peterborough were getting into the game. You know, they got more possession, that sort of thing. How we needed to capitalise on him around that time. And a lot of 
things that have happened with Paul Lambert's ten, tenure is he tends to make generally a lot of his subs, you know, around the 70, 75th minute. And it's too late to affect the game, especially with how it was yesterday. And I still think, you know, you, you saw yourself when Thomas came on, how how much he changed things, how much he affected things going forward. And having someone like him, him who's Matt Spears, has been playing recent games earlier, somewhere around the 64th, maybe 65th minute, it would it would have changed things. I just think, you know, it's too little, too late, in my opinion. You know, it's, it, it, it takes until after the goal happens for them to come on. And then from then onwards, obviously, you could debate like they did on Quest last night about the whole thing of when Enciola had a disallowed goal and how that not went off the pitch. But even then, we're, we're clutching at straws, really. I really do think with those subs, as well as they did when they came on, it's too little, too late, in my opinion. Yeah, no, I'd, I'd agree with that. As, as I said earlier, when, when all three introduced energy, and the thing for me was Posh only looked good when Ipswich looked poor out of possession. Posh didn't pass the ball well enough, weren't clever enough in switching play well enough, um, weren't playing through the lines well enough, apart from when that Ipswich press was tiring. So we saw it um, at the end of the first half. Then we saw it again, probably from like 55 to 70, where Posh were intermittently threatening throughout that game, when Ipswich would tire, they were still playing with that really high line. At no point did Ipswich really ever just drop into a block and say, OK, let's sit out this 10 minutes, let's, let's stay compact. So when Posh did find spare men and did have a bit more time on the ball, the, um, they were able to get Dembele uh, on the ball and running in behind. And I thought Dembele looked very dangerous in, in flashes. When Posh realised, OK, Clark Harris isn't going to be able to dominate physically, so he started coming up a lot deeper and linking play to feet. The centre-backs weren't too sure how far to follow him. That started working quite nicely and started building play, play in between the lines. Obviously, the Posh goal was, was quite fortunate, or very fortunate, in fact, in terms of it should have been a fairly simple clearance for McGuinness. But again, that was one of the moments where Posh did build out quite nicely into Carnu, who, again, as I said earlier, went head down, and just ran and should have lost the ball, but it came to came to um, Taylor and Taylor managed to switch out to the left, which is what Posh should have been doing so much more, building right, switching left, building left, switching right. And when they did do that, they did look quite dangerous. Um, but yeah, it was so noticeable when those, when those subs came on, the energy they brought into the press, the press was reignited, pushed Posh well back, created almost all of their good chances came in that spell. Um, and yeah, as you say, the big thing was just having Thomas who could who could run in behind, attack in behind, get behind, um, get beyond Beavers. And it, and it just was all of a sudden Posh were having to deal with a new threat. It wasn't just a cross coming in from 30 yards away. It was players looking to get in behind, crossing one with more whip and more danger, but also crossing from more dangerous positions and crossing more intelligently as well. I mean, Ipswich were often committing like five men into the box. They very rarely had players on the edge of the box to pick up second ball. So once it was cleared, it was basically attack over. But then in late in the game, all the chances came from intelligent movement, late movement from Edwards and picking out a player in the box rather than just putting it into an area. And then and then Edwards coming into the box late on the left-hand side. He was being found well by by uh, Thomas, I think it was, who was putting in the more dangerous crosses and, and the shots were coming in that way. What what do you see the future for Ipswich now? Is is Lambert going to stay, or is Lambert is Lambert on the uh, is Lambert nearing nearing the chop? Yeah, uh, I think the latter. Really. I think he's, he's nearing the chop um, or nearing the exit, however you want to say it. I think you know it does it does come down to a lot of things. Really, it comes down to Marcus Evans not putting a genuine amount of investment in over the last couple of years, which has led to our decline ultimately. Um, I think in a way, you know, with Paul Hurst, when he came into the club, he gave him a lot of free reign to do what he did. He saw people like Martin Waghorn and David McGoldrick and Joe Garner and didn't effectively replace them. With Paul Lambert, he came in with more games uh, than Paul Hurst. Um, and to be fair, hasn't really, hasn't succeeded as, as a town manager. I think, you know, when he came in, there was this whole scepticism about how he'd managed Norwich and that sort of thing. Um, he, he came in and there was this, you know, we, we always talk about it, joking about it as, as town fans, then this whole PR pool scenario and how when we were getting relegated, how he got the fans back to the club and 
you know, got them loving football, well, got them loving the team again. But even then, from then onwards, the football wasn't wasn't great um, in League One. It hasn't been. And it just, it's, it's inevitable, really, what's happening. I think, you know, with Lambert, he got a five-year contract on, on, on last season um, when we played Wickham New Year's Day on, on the back of constant defeats and relegation form, which bewildered a bunch of his fans because we were like, he, he doesn't deserve this five-year contract. It's not something that he, he deserves. So from then onwards until now, as I said, the figures I read out beforehand about how many games teams were beaten yeah, promotion candidates or teams in the top half of the league, you know, we've, we've barely beaten about four teams. Yeah, and that's, you know, even even that is picking on teams like Accurate and Gillingham, who were in the top half last season as well. So, yeah, it, it does seem like it's definitely heading the way of, you know, Paul, someone like Paul Lambert leaving or being sacked. I think it makes it harder for Marcus Evans at the moment, I feel, because he's a manager who generally tends to feel the atmosphere of the crowd so you know obviously when you're at games and you're losing you're not doing well and it's you know it's, it's happening over a consistent period of time it'd be the kind of owner that could, could tell when things were turning so you know he could pull the plug but obviously now with fans not being in the ground and that kind of thing it's been a it's been it's been um, i guess it's probably hard for him to see obviously you know um our fan base or one of our fan supporters groups blue action of them putting up a, a bunch of banners over the last couple of weeks, calling for local media to be strong on the club and, you know, uh, officially call for the for the manager to leave. But I, I do feel like, you know, coming up, you've got Tuesday, you've got Sunderland on Sky and we tend to not do well on Sky at all. We've then got Crew, and then I think in the next couple of weeks we play Peterborough again, if I'm correct. So, yeah, it's, it's an interesting one really um i do feel like it's going that way uh, the question is whether evans sees it that way i think the last couple of months or last couple of weeks really he's been putting it on injuries and how how many players we've had out and you know having these players back is going to make things better but even with like if even if you'd had an Norwood or someone like jackson up front today i still think the issues that someone like drinning had because of the obviously you were saying because the amount of crosses that we've been put into the box and that sort of thing the, the, whoever was up front in my opinion would have still had the same problems you know Norwood's come in and played some games this season when he's been fit and has seemed to affect games well but even in them it's been a similar situation of not being able to get the ball the midfield and the attack being so separate and obviously as I said before our owner was talking about us playing this attractive style of play and you know, passing quick between the lines and these whole green shoots that he seemed to be seeing. But as fans, we're not seeing it at all. Um, and you know what? I'm 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 the ultimate pessimist. I, I this season, you know, I, I didn't expect this to be, you know, top two, top six, maybe seventh. But you know, the longer teams stay in this division under the salary cap and what's coming up, you you, you know. Us as fans, we look at the players we've got on our, our our team as well, and you could probably put it half half down to some of those people like Emmy Hughes and Alan Judge and the Co, who haven't really performed to the you know the standard that we expect as as fans and the standards that probably they expect. Um, but yeah, I do feel like it's going that way at the moment. Yeah, I think so too. It's interesting what you say about not beating teams in the top half. I think we saw that at Posh last. The first half of last season when Posh were playing the Diamond, had a really good record against the bottom seven or eight teams, but against the teams in the top half of the table, just having that individual quality isn't enough. And if you've got a structure or a system that's not getting the best out of the players, when you come up against teams with similar quality in terms of players, and there's a lot of teams in this division now with good quality players, you do need a plan, you do need a structure in place that's going to get the best out of those players and give you the most chances of winning. Um, whilst you're talking there, I just did some very quick maths, looking at the crosses that Ipswich have put in. Uh, going off who scores data, in the last three games, you've put in 84 crosses. So an average of 28 crosses a game. When that's your own, when that's your only attacking plan, that's not good enough against better teams who can defend the box well and who do have physical centre-backs, especially when you don't have a physical striker, especially when you're not picking up the second balls on the edge of the box and sustaining attacks. 
And especially when that's your only way of entering the box, you're not passing the ball into the box. You've never got any variation um, passing the ball inside and then looking to create from, from that area within the width of the 18. Um, how, how, what did you think of Posh yesterday? Who stood out to you for Posh, on the Posh side of things and how do you think they're going to go the rest of the season? Yeah, um, yeah, I was I'm relatively impressed from what I've seen. I, I like to keep a, a close eye on a lot of teams in the league, and I think you know, a, a team like Peterborough, you know, they're very good at what they do. I think you know, I, I've kept a keen eye on Sammy Schmodix for a number of years when he was at Colchester, and obviously when at Bristol City it didn't really work out for him. Um, yeah, I think you know, with 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 Posh the way that they've been playing, obviously you know, you've got Clark Harrison has a replacement for Ivan Tony and I think, you know, he, he does well um, for you and I think, you know, I, I could probably expect to see you in, in the promotion places by the end of the season. I think last season, obviously with what happened with, with with PPG and what happened with Wickham and, you know, how you should have been in the playoffs and that sort of thing, I think it was very cruel on you last season because, you know, when you came to us and beat us 4-1 and I was at the away game as well when we drew 2-2 early on in the season. I kind of expected Peter Barr to be one of those kind of sides that were going to be up there challenging, you know, on your day, one of the, I think, one of the strongest teams in the division. But I think ultimately this season, you could say it for a lot of teams in this division sometimes, it's it's probably consistency, you know, playing the same week in, week in, week, in, week out. A lot of teams in the top six places in the league, you know, they put a good number of results together two weeks in a row and then the next couple of weeks they're not particularly consistent but I you know I feel relatively you know I, I can I can I have a you know a couple of teams in, in this league that I can see being up in the promotion places by the end of the season obviously Peterborough being one of them but yeah I think you know if you can if you can play to your strengths and get people like Sammy Schmodix in I think you know Jack Taylor who came in from Barnet is a very astute signing um, Dembele as well obviously you know there's this Rumours about him, transfer request, he's going to leave. But even if he does leave, I think the recruitment policy of of Peterborough has proved itself to be very effective over the last couple of years. Um, I think, you know, you've got people like Ryan Broom, uh, who could potentially come in that position if he, if he was to leave. Um, um, but, but yeah, you've... You've, you've got a bunch of players, um, Harrison Burrows as well, really good player, really great in throughout, you know, for the under-23s growing, um, coming through the youth system and that kind of thing. So, yeah, there's players to be excited about, even if players leave, but I think, you, yeah, you should be confident to be in the playoffs by the end of the season, in my opinion. Yeah, I mean, I think I think playoffs has to be the ambition and, hope well, the, the expectation perhaps, and then hoping to push into the top two. Um, I think it's going to be tight up there, and it is tight. Posh up to third after the win, the win yesterday. But it's it's it is it is ever changing, and and it's interesting what you say about consistency because that has perhaps been Posh's downfall, perhaps Fergie's downfall. I've spoke about it in previous pods, and I won't go too much detail. But Posh have a habit of being a bit streaky. But that's four wins and two draws now in the last six six league one games. And I think what we're seeing now is that Posh's baseline is difficult to beat in terms of. When Posh play well, they tend to win games quite comfortably. When Posh play poorly, the games tend to be tight on a knife edge and they don't tend to get blown away in games. So the baseline level of performance, and, and we saw that yesterday, whereby that was probably a poor Posh performance, but individually the players still did an OK job at what they were meant to do. The back three defended the box the box well. The wing backs perhaps lacked lack quality at times, but got up and down the up and down the pitch. Thought Brown passable really well. Taylor's just imperious every single game now. Front three perhaps weren't involved as much as they have been in other games, but Clark Harris did a good job of being a nuisance in linking play. Then barely looked dangerous. Smodic's quieter than he has been in more in more recent games, but still had a couple of moments, including when he sent Dembele three for the one v one in the first half. So no one had no one had a really bad game, and I think we're seeing that that baseline level of posh should see them not go on as bad a run of form. Hopefully, that we've seen them going in the past, but at the same time, they're probably not hitting the heights as much as we would expect them to be. And I think they need to tweak the system a bit and, and just be a bit more intelligent in possession in order to hit those those heights they were hitting last season regularly. When, as you say, they went as, as we said before the podcast. Sorry, they went to Ipswich and and really tore into Ipswich in that away game, which they didn't manage to do yesterday. Um, 
We'll wrap it up there, Luke. Thanks very much for coming on. Before I finish, right. do you want to just tell people about your Twitter and, and how to follow you if they want to stay up to date with whether Lambert stays or goes and all other <laughs> measures at, at Ipswich Town? Uh, yeah, so my Twitter is uh, Luke Penning VGP. Uh, same, uh, just put my name in on YouTube, L-U-K-E-P-E-N-N-I-N-G. Um, yeah, I just like to talk about uh, recruitment uh, from a brand's perspective, really. I think as an Ipswich fan, last couple of years, uh, we've tended to fall into a number of categories. Um, under Paul Hurst, we signed lower league players that you know were here and there. Um, and most recently under Paul Lambert, it's these kind of sign-ins where you know, they're 28, 29. There's not really any resale value for them. Uh, in some cases, they're kind of punts, really. So I you know, I want to think of it on a different perspective, give people you know, ideas of players to sign that, you know, around 24, who can develop with us as a team. Because I, I do feel, you know, there's a bunch of things wrong with the club. Uh, you know, we tend to get a bunch of injuries every season, which tends to be a problem. But recruitment has been a problem for the last couple of years. We haven't had a probably, I guess, established director of football. We did have Dave Bowman in charge, who Mick McCarthy brought in under Ireland. Um, but since then, you know, he doesn't seem to be involved as much. We've got Leo Neal in a, as a director of football operations. I think it was a role created just for him under Marcus Evans, where he just tends to be doing a bit of everything. He was originally an academy manager, so I think I think a lot of it is is structurally as well. I think structurally in the in the club we need you know a director of football, proper people in recruitment, that sort of thing. So I just try to give town fans and I like to talk about other teams as well because I generally watch a lot of English, Scottish, Irish um, leagues and pick up players from there that I think would help us better. So yeah, if you're interested in yeah talking about that, I, I talk about other League One teams as well sometimes and you know, if you want to see if Paul Lambert is still here or not, then yeah, be sure to follow me on Twitter or YouTube on most social media platforms. No, yeah, Luke, I've seen Luke's left. Luke's just really good. Um, I'm sure you'll be looking at fullbacks soon because I reckon you're about two fullbacks away from flying up the league. But let's hope yeah. it's which it's which don't sign them and and let's hope they um <laughs> just set one out on loan, funnily enough. <laughs> yeah. And let's hope they uh they don't catch posh in the in the table and and from a people's perspective keep plodding away in mid table. Um but on that note, I'm gonna thank everyone for listening. Thank you, Luke, for for coming on the podcast. That's all right, no problem. Um and I'll be recording the next podcast next Sunday. <laughs>